grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Have you ever heard the phrase, it's time for some spring cleaning? We look out our window, we see all of the winter grime, we see the pollen on it, we can't even see through to what's on the other side. It's time for some spring cleaning. In our text today, we will be hearing a prophet of God coming to the king of Judah, and he'll be telling him it's time to do some cleaning. <coughs> we read 2 Chronicles chapter 15, kind of a long verse, long chapter. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa, he's the king, and he said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, he was found by them. In those times, there was no peace to him who went out or to him who came in, for great disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the lands. They were broken in pieces. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every sort of distress. But you, King Asa, take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. As soon as Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Azariah, the son of Oded, he took courage and put away the detestable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities that he had taken in the hill country of Ephraim. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the vestibule of the house of the Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those from Ephraim, Manasseh and Simeon who were residing with them, for great numbers had deserted to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord was with him. They were gathered at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of the reign of Asa. They sacrificed to the Lord on that day from the spoil that they had brought, 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their heart and with all their soul. But that whoever would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, they should be put to death, whether young or old, man or woman. They swore an oath to the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with horns. And all Judah rejoiced over the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and had sought him with their whole desire. And he was found by them and the Lord gave them rest all around. Even Machai, his mother, King Asa removed from being queen mother because she had made a detestable image for Asherah. He also cut down her image, crushed it, and burned it at the book Kindred. But the high priests were not taken out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was wholly true all his days. 
And he brought into the house of God the sacred gifts of his father and his own sacred gifts, silver and gold and vessels. And there was no more war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. Heavenly Father, sanctify us with your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Fellow redeemed, for many people, the time of Lent is a time to make resolutions, right? We're going to pray more. Uh, we're going to give up chocolate. We're going to give up sweets. Hey, I'll even try to make it to church every Sunday during Lent. All attempts that make them feel good about themselves, especially if they're able to carry it through. But this is not what Lent is all about. I hope to point out today that Lent is a time to remove obstacles from our faith life, it's to dedicate ourselves anew to following the Lord God. My dad loved to garden. He loved to watch it grow. He especially loved the harvest times when he could pick the fruit, the vegetables. During the winter time, he would just look over the seed catalogs just planning his garden. I remember in seminary, my dad was in the limited ministry program at the same time I was in the regular seminary. So we had classes together in seminary. And I still remember we had, you know, like students sometimes will do, they'll have a textbook sitting in front of them and hiding behind the textbook would be a comic book or something so the teacher couldn't see. But my dad had a seed catalog hiding behind his, cl his class book. He was just so excited about the springtime. He'd spend hours going through, trying to determine the type, the variety, how many of each new plant he should grow in his garden this coming year. When the North Dakota started thawing, the ground started thawing, he was filled with excitement. It was time. <laughs> We kids were not so thrilled because he had this opinion that kids should work and work hard. And it was a huge garden. And we knew that the spring thaw meant work. It meant a lot of work. We had, it was a large garden. And we had to first take out all of the previous year's debris. And then we had to go ahead and turn the soil over. We had to fertilize it. And then finally plant the seed. Everything had to be prepared so the garden that my dad had been dreaming about would finally come to fruit. The weeks of Lent, just like the thaw between winter and spring, is a time of preparation. It's a season when we are invited to prepare the soil of our lives, our hearts, to prepare them for growth. We're called to clear out from our lives, from our hearts, everything that doesn't belong there, everything that stands in the way of preparing for the coming of the Christ. Just like spring is a time of preparing the garden, Lent is a time for preparing for spiritual growth. 
And to help us better understand what this looks like, in our text, we're looking at the story of a man. He's not cleaning out a garden for growth, but he's cleaning out a kingdom. Asa was the king of Judah. Is a time when much of the nation had abandoned God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verses 1 to 19, we see the story about how King Asa, how his entire kingdom sought God, and he prepared their lives for spiritual growth. The story begins with the prophet by the name of Azariah. He's coming to the king with a message. And over and over, he repeats the same message. Verses 1 to 7. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Seek him and you will find him. And Azariah's message is not a casual suggestion to the king. Hey, if you have time, if you feel like it, go out and, and you know, make some time for the Lord. And you know, let him come in if you feel like it. No, he is urging him. He's challenging King Asa to intentionally make the Lord first in his life. When Jesus called his disciples to follow him, he said that following him must be that priority. And to make the point, he said, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. The same thing is true of Jesus' disciples of today. There must be an intention, a decision, a focus of our will to put Christ in our life, to make him a priority. And this is so important because our lives can so easily be caught up with the, all the frustrations, the different things going on in our lives so that we become passive. We become lackadaisical in our faith life. Lent is the time for all of us to clarify, to reaffirm our attentions, just like in our text. They, all the people got together and they said, we will follow the Lord. We will make him a priority in our lives. And that needs to be a question for us. Do we desire to make God first in our lives? Will we, with intention, diligence, and discipline, seek to make him a priority? Or will we just kind of float along being busy with our lives and thinking occasionally, well, yeah, maybe he'll come into our life. I'll think about him now and then. Sunday morning, I need to go to church anyway. Lent is a time to intentionally make God a priority. During the winter, as I said, my dad was always thinking about the spring. He was planting the garden in his head. He knew before we planted the garden where the beans would go. He knew we'd plant the peas. He knew about the corn, the fruit trees. He planned it so that they would grow the best way possible. They produce the most fruit possible. His garden was a product of intention. It was no accident that he put the plants where he put them. He wanted the vegetables and the fruit to be bountiful. And as kids who picked those fruits, the garden was bountiful. In the same way, 
We don't grow spiritually by accident. We don't stumble upon a rich relationship with God accidentally. Azariah's challenge to Asa is also a challenge to us to make the Lord first in our lives. And with this challenge comes a promise. Azariah says, if you seek God, he will be there for you. God has not intended the Christian life to be a difficult one, an impossible hunt for a God who's trying to hide from us. He has not intended the Christian life to be something that requires enormous faith. No, just the opposite. The Christian life is a simple walk to a welcoming God who's waiting for us. It requires only childlike faith. And I think a story that best shows this is the story of the prodigal son, the parable Jesus tells in Luke 15. In this story, the son rejects and abandons his father to live a life selfishly, wildly, in a distant country. When he finally sees how foolish he's been, he decides to return home to seek his father. He expects his father to be furious with anger with how he's lived his life. But the son is met by a surprise. When the father sees the son at a great distance, he does not wait for him to come to him, but the father runs out, pulls him to a hug. He's so full with joy that his son has returned. He embraces him, he kisses him, he's overjoyed to have him back home again. This is the image that Jesus presents of our Heavenly Father's love. It's the image of a God who wants to be found. A God whom James says will draw near to us when we draw near to him. He's the God that stands at the door. And when we knock, and when he knocks, we open it, he comes in and showers us with his blessings. We are called to seek the Lord God who wants to be found. And this should be our goal during Lent, to intentionally seek to spend more time with our Lord because he is passionately waiting for us. But how do we do that? What exactly does it mean to seek God? In verse eight, after receiving Azariah's message, we see when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Azariah, son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He, reported the altar of the, he repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. King Asa interpreted Azariah's command in two ways. First, he understood that he had to remove the obstacles that were preventing his kingdom from finding the Lord. So he removed the detestable idols from the land. All of the other gods, the shrines, the temples that were competing with God for the people's attention were removed. You could say that Asa 
was cleaning out his kingdom to make room for God. This was his way of preparing the garden, of removing the dead plants, the weeds, the debris to make room for growth. Likewise for us. Seeking God means making room in our lives for him. Cleaning out the garden, removing the idols and the false gods that are in us that we consider more important than God. And in a sense, our lives are kind of like a kingdom, aren't they? We each have a kingdom, a sphere of influence. Generally, we have control over this area. We think of our time, we have control over that. Our bodies, our relationships, our homes, our money. What is a priority in our kingdom? Looking for God, making him a priority, or squeezing him in here and there when we find time, if the weeds don't crowd him out. Like Ace's kingdom, sometimes our kingdoms need a thorough cleaning. They become infested with detestable things, with priorities that take God's proper place in our faith life. To seek God means that we need to make room for him. We need to prepare our lives, our kingdoms, so that his presence would dwell within us. The season of Lent is all about walking through the hills and valleys of our kingdom to tear down the idols that we find there. The season of Lent is a time of acknowledging through confessing our sins that those things in our lives have taken priority over our Lord God. We need to confess our sins, that we have made these things more important than God and we have crowded God out of our lives because of these items. We find we may find we have a schedule that's so full we don't have time for prayer, or a heart that's preoccupied with material things, or a career that doesn't leave us time for serving others. Lent is the time to clean the debris out from our lives, to make room for new growth. Well, there's a second thing that Asa did to seek God. He not only removed the idols and the idol temples from his kingdom, but he also repaired the altar to the Lord in front of the temple. The temple, of course, was where God was worshipped by his people. It's a place where people gathered to give praise to God, to hear his message. They went to commune with God by this altar. By rebuilding the altar, Asa is putting back in place a major way that the people could connect with the Lord. Serving God, however, is not just about removing things from our kingdom. It's about building things, replacing the things we've removed with other things which will serve to remind us of God. There needs to be removing there also needs to be a building. We need to subtract the things from our lives which 
get in the way of, of worshiping God and put in what serves to remind us of God. We need to clean out the debris. We need to plant new seeds. Our text also points out another thing that King Asa did. We read in verses 9 to 15 that all the people of Judah gathered and people from other countries joined them because they heard what Asa was all up to. They gathered together in Jerusalem to express their excitement and their intention to seek the Lord. And someone might wonder, what's the big deal? Why did they have to come to Jerusalem to make a big deal about it? They could have committed themselves to the Lord in their own homes, in their own cities, in their own countries. Couldn't they have done that without coming all the way to Jerusalem? Something powerful happens when we gather together with like-minded Christians. We see that we're a part of something greater than ourselves. When we join with other people in prioritizing God, we're less likely to give up. We're less likely to turn around because others around us are striving towards the same goal. They're encouraging us, helping us, just like we are encouraging and helping them. That's why we're encouraged in the book of Hebrews to not forsake the assembling of, of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. We see the people joining together to make sacrifices to God, and then together making an oath to prioritize God in their lives. And in verse 15, we see the result of their promising to follow God. All Judah rejoiced about the oath because they had sworn it wholeheartedly. They sought God eagerly, and he was found by them. Let me repeat that last part. They sought God eagerly, and he was found by them. Azariah's words were found to be true. King Asa and all of Israel, all of Judah, sought the Lord, and he let them found him, and they were blessed, and they rejoiced. This is what Lent is all about for us. It's about working towards making God a priority in our lives. And we realize he has, done, he has made us a priority in, for him. We rejoice when we see how he has prioritized us for him by sending his son to be our savior. When we see the Lord has done this, made us his priority, we will also become energized. We see that King Asa, he has excitement at finding the Lord. And this serves as a springboard for doing even more cleaning of his kingdom. He, he knew that his mother, the queen mother, had been a great part of bringing idols into the country. And she was continuing to fight against what he was doing in bringing the Lord and the Lord's temple back. So he deposed her, got, took her out of her throne. He wanted to make sure there were no obstacles remaining in Judah that would keep people from finding God. What I hope 
through this message today is to remind us, to remind you and me, to diligently seek God in our lives. We need to diligently remove obstacles to our faith life and replace those obstacles with things that remind us of God, that point us to God. And we'll find that by doing so, we'll, find, we'll have the courage to even remove more obstacles, obstacles that we would have had no idea were even there. So in conclusion, in the spring, we prepared the garden. We clear away the debris, we dig up the soil, turn it over, mix it up really well. We plant the seeds, but there's still a lot of work to be done after the summer begins. Our effort doesn't end once we plant the seeds. Weeds still need to be pulled, bushes pruned, vegetables, fruit gathered. However, the spring preparation remains the most important part of building this garden. The hard work of preparation in the spring determines how the rest of the year will do. And so it is with Lent. This is a season that's set aside for preparing our souls. It's a time that we know we need to clean the debris from our lives. We need to plant the seeds to increase our faith. Like King Asa, if we do the hard work now, it will serve as a springboard in the future to do even more works of faith. We will find ourselves rejoicing when we recognize the wonderful blessings the Lord has given to us. And of course, the greatest blessing of all of these is the blessing of Jesus Christ, our Savior. God has made us his priority by sending Jesus to be our Savior. During the season of Lent, let us remove the obstacles from the garden of our lives, from our kingdom, and replace them with altars to our God. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds strong in the faith to which you have been brought. We continue with the next two stanzas.